This is Matthew Chung, CEO of iPushPull, and the following is a conversation with Anvar Karimson, CTO of Kepler Chevro, on the topic, what is your chat strategy? Anvar shares his thoughts on chatbots, automation, and the application of AI and large language models into financial markets workflow. Enjoy. Chatbots today, we use large language models um, in production. I think if you look at, we start with the first case, chatbots. So we are predominantly using Symfony because it's internal. Um, uh, we use it for uh, workflow automation um, instead of having to go to a web page, that kind of stuff. Um, we use it to disseminate content uh, so that you can create, I guess, uh, particular rooms that where you're interested of particular topics, and then you have bots that would sift through our internal repositories to to be able to surface the right information to you, which is really helpful for sales and and uh, um, and sales trading to a certain extent. Um, you look at uh, language models, so we're using OpenAI's uh, GPT-4 for all of our work, um, and there we're using it for things like summarization, um, translation, um, changing the tones of documents. Uh, if you have something that's highly technical but you need it for sales dissemination, you might just smoothen the language a bit, and that's where the language models really shine. I mean, obviously, nothing we have goes straight to clients or straight to end users without um, a double check uh, because they still have some some gaps that are that make them unsuitable for for direct to client dissemination in if we look at the execution space there's just so many venues there's so much the landscape is just so much more complicated today than it was just a few years ago and it's to the point where it's actually really hard for someone to have a good overview which is why you have you know, various market structure experts, and you have all these conferences to talk about this. But on a on a simple level, right? You could you could train a language model to look at the order activity that's going on on a venue from our perspective as a broker, right? And you could get it to summarize that in snippets throughout the day. And I think color like that would be really interesting. And of course, no one's going to pay extra for it, so you can't really put someone in a seat to do that manually because you're just not going to get your money back but if if you can do that in an automated fashion that is really interesting you know and as such you can have um it doesn't have to be per venue you can find a different access to to um to use there but i think what is important there is that it's natural language and it's done through a chat interface so for something like this to be truly successful it would have to be on bloomberg um realistically but once there, I think it would be, it would create a really good platform to expand on. Um, and again, I think that um, you look at our, so we launched um, our KCX uh, API uh, a while back. And how people use it is is twofold. One is that they, they're looking at to integrate that into their EMS. Right, so um, that's straightforward. You right-click uh, an order or position. You say, "Give me the the volatility forecast or the closing forecast for this uh, particular stock." But 
the other option is that they use an SDK, right? So you can use a Python SDK and R SDK to integrate directly with their workflows, which is great. So they, that's more the bulk interface. Like I want a volatility report every hour sent out. We just say, yeah, you can do that. You build it yourself, you ship it. But again, chat would be a great thing there, right? Because on one hand, being integrated in EMS is great, but you're sort of beholden to the development velocity and the appetite for change of that EMS. Um, the SDK is great, but then it kind of forces our clients to have development resources to make use of that. Whereas again, if I can, with a chat interface, that could provide a third potential option, um, especially if you could get some some color around that. Again, you know, we talk about venues, we talk about um, if you could have, if you can say, okay, for these 25 stocks, what's the volatility forecast? You get the actual numbers, but then you also get a textbook of, of color looking back seven days, you know. All of a sudden, it just helps you to paint that picture of what's going on, and that's quite interesting. Um, the the other point is, is obviously um, that you look at, so that's for execution, you look at research, there's, there's obviously tons of things you can do there, but I think on the research side, it's much more sensitive because you're, you're kind of messing with what people bring as a value add, right? So, and I think it's hard to compete because Bloomberg today does the automated research. They've done it for years, you know, when as soon as a corporate action come, comes out, they'll automatically translate it into something that's more digestible and publish it out within a minute of it being published. So there's not much you can do there, I think. But you talk about on the research side is productivity. That's where the big, that's where we are looking. Um, well, if you look at our projects in, internally now, they're all looking at the productivity side of being a content producer, you know, and it doesn't, as a tech guy, the solutions you look at are pretty basic, right? But for the end clients, they're really powerful. And we was, were super excited to to roll out uh, Microsoft Copilot to see how well that works because it's our content is generated using the Office Suite uh, with Faxit plugins. And so if you can have a Copilot right there, I mean, that's great, right? Um, that means they don't have to jump into another interface. They don't have to jump uh, they can just in their Word document, you know, <clears throat> have 10 bullet points and say, can you expand this? And then they it's a starting point, right? Um, and I think the idea of a co-pilot could be quite interesting on an EMS layer as well, right? If you have a widget next to you that just helps you digest all of this information that's going on, um, especially if it brings in data from, from previously, um, I think that's that's that could be useful. Again, is someone going to pay extra for that? <sighs> Probably not. So I think that's kind of that's kind of cool. And because the other day I tried, so Spotify have introduced a a DJ, which is an AI powered recommendation engine, um, and they've had recommendations before, but they were pretty terrible. The DJ is actually quite cool, and I think what makes it more real. I don't know if you've used it, but what makes it more real is that you get snippets of, of talking in between blocks of music where 
the DJ explains, you know, I, I had a look at your summer playlist history and, you know, I went back two, three years. I found these, you know, funky songs and I'm going to mix them together. It, it forms a better, bigger connection than just listening to music that um, keeps streaming. It produces this sort of weird artificial radio experience, you know, and I'm sure that within two, three years, someone will have like an old school radio station that is completely just two AIs talking to each other, you know, cracking jokes. <laughs> I mean, that's that's going to be a given. But again, that sort of that sort of co-pilot in a trading sense would be quite interesting. Yeah, exactly. And machines do not forget, so they can they can and they can always. Yeah, bring back information like that and present it in an interface like chat that makes it mm. really easy to 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 gain some insight or take some actions on it. So, so I guess you, there's there's a few things you mentioned there. So you've got the this this ability to have yeah your copilot or like predictive analytics kind of mm. in context type workflows. You've got um, having chat as the interface. And that's why chat GPT's become so successful, right? Because chat yeah. is the interface. It's a GPT, you know, model under the hood, which mm. had been around for a while, but then chat GPT then just changed. Yeah, it was an interface moment, right? Yeah. And then, and then the last bit, I think you said at the beginning about, um, well, I think it was when we were talking about um, some of the symphony bots, but as you're starting to experiment with large language models, it's the you still need the human oversight because things mm. are still, you're not giving it out externally to clients yet because there's still the hallucination effects that's in yeah. there at the moment. No doubt that will disappear fairly soon, mm. but 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 you still require the human oversight. So it's it's enabling the brokers yeah. that, that you've got rather than you know replacing and it's giving them... Oh, completely. Yeah, and it's productivity. All of this, mm. everything is all about productivity, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I think that sort of summarizes quite well. Um, I think for us, the the technology chat, all of this stuff, is about enablement. It's really about being able to deliver better client service, better attention to details, all of that stuff. I think in 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 none of the meetings do we talk about replacing or saving money or you know using machines to automate people's jobs. It's not what it's about because I think there are easier way of of doing that. And on that on that point where does your data live and sit how did you address that with the large language models that that you're using with microsoft are you using their azure open ai and it's all you're not you're not using it to obviously train microsoft's um <laughs> azure open ai api um did you did you find that challenging when you were getting sign off kind of internally to do it no, not not here. I mean, we we had to sit down with uh, with our legal, our compliance, our risk, everyone, and kind of went through it. And we set up a few guidelines internally of what we're allowed to send to the service and what we what we're not. And a lot of it is on the you know, if you look at textual content, is it mm. you know, is it uh, what's the phrase? Basically, has it been published? Is it known? Um, and then. Obviously, you have PI, which is which is a big deal. So, you know, removing any sort of personal identifiers and all that. Um, so, I think the the question marks there, and because we have, um, you know, we don't use it to train anything and all that. We're, we're fairly comfortable with with the idea, um, but obviously, it's it's such a fluid field, right? Like. 
Um, will we move to, you know, Llama 2 on Hugging Face or Bedrock? Potentially, potentially. Um, but I think that the inflection point of, <clears throat> because for now, we want to minimize the the work of getting a use case uh, up in production, right? Because we're still exploring, we're still figuring out how these things work. And if the upfront cost is, okay, well, you have to do all this deployment, all this techie stuff to get it to work, we just won't have time to look at as many use cases. So that was a choice we did in the beginning to say, okay, what's the easiest way to get starting? Okay, it's using OpenAI. You know, they have everything out of the book, we just pay the bill. And that just allows us to test all these different use cases to see, is there actually interest here? And we can do very targeted pilot engagements with clients. And, and if, if, the, if we stumble upon something really cool, we'll go, wow, this is really impressive. We can then, because we have presence in AWS already, we can spin up something there. And maybe the quality will, is not going to be the same. But then I think what, what we're seeing is that the, the open source models are catching up in a lot of ways. Um, again, not, not from an... You know, um, general AI perspective, but certainly for targeted use case, they can be just as effective. So, so you went direct to OpenAI rather than go through Microsoft. In, initially, yeah. Initially, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, going back to the beginning, where you where you said you've got a whole bunch of chatbots built on Symphony for doing mm. various workflows internally. Did you did you build those chatbots yourselves internally? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. I think it was when when we brought Symphony in, which is before my time. Um, it was brought in. A lot of it was because of the chatbots and being able to automate processes. So yeah. we did integrate it to to, uh, to quite a few of our different systems. I mean, again, it's not a big deal of moving them to Teams, and at one point we might have to. Um, but for us, it, it was it was a reasonably easy lift. Cool. Okay, I think I think we covered a wide variety of topics there. It was, uh, no, it was really interesting to to hear your thoughts. This is the iPushPool podcast series about what is your chat strategy. Over the next few months, we'll talk to leaders in the field and their views on the chat ecosystem, chatbots, and how AI is evolving the space. We hope you learn something new.